if you want to get an idea of how hard fought the race for just a single seat on the Wisconsin Supreme Court can be, just listen to the ads that ran during the last election a few weeks back. We have to have a court in Wisconsin that is there for the people. Chief Judge Some of these videos, they start out gauzy, high-end, soft music, soft lighting. You'd think this was a campaign for national office. We need to show compassion, but we also need to hold people accountable. And that's exactly what I'll do on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And then the tone of these ads seems to sour. Liberal special interests are trying to take over our Supreme Court. It's worth noting the two judges running in this race, Lisa Neubauer and Brian Hagedorn, they worked in the same courthouse. Their offices actually shared a wall. Brian Hagedorn's a political insider. Their fight was brutal. And then the Republican favorite, Brian Hagedorn, won by just a few thousand votes. Remember, Wisconsin is often called the deepest shade of purple. This is Slate's Mark Joseph Stern. It is very closely divided between Democrats and Republicans, which is why it's so contested every single election. Mark says if you want to understand how politics is changing right now, you have to understand what happened in this one race, in this one state. For a really long time, there was a strong progressive base in in the state that turned out for every election. And both Republicans and Democrats tried to govern from a relatively middle-of-the-road stance. You saw compromise and centrism and coalition building. Uh, That was a tradition in the state for decades. But a few years back, all this coalition building turned into more of a tug-of-war. Conservative activists started using the state as a kind of laboratory for how to consolidate power. They gerrymandered to ensure Republican control of the statehouse. They rolled back union protections. They made sure voters needed to show photo ID. And these conservative activists realized one more thing. If they could flip the Supreme Court permanently and entrench a conservative majority, they'd be able to make all of these conservative reforms stick even if Democrats somehow found a way to take back political power. The thing is, Democrats have already started to do just that, take back power. Wisconsin has a Democratic governor, a Democratic attorney general. So could this one Supreme Court race shift the balance of power again? Today on the show, Mark Joseph Stern has some answers. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mark says that Wisconsin really began to change about a decade ago when Republican Governor Scott Walker was elected to office. Slowly but steadily, he helped cement Republican policies in place, and he pushed to expand the number of Republicans in the state legislature. This fall, Walker was replaced by a Democrat named Tony Evers. But on his way out the door, Walker signed into law a number of restrictions on the governor's power. It was one last up yours to Wisconsin Democrats. 
because of these laws, presuming they're upheld, Evers isn't going to be able to do anything to reverse what Walker did over the span of eight years. And that's going to leave Evers sort of guided by the dead hand of the Walker administration. For Republicans, winning this state Supreme Court race will ensure the dead hand of the Walker administration can keep on guiding the state. Technically, judicial elections are nonpartisan, but Brian Hagedorn was the clear Republican favorite. So who is Brian Hagedorn? Uh, I would say he is essentially an anti-LGBTQ, anti-abortion, conservative activist who decided quite correctly that the best way to implement uh, his ideals would be through the bench. He has a very long track record uh, as an attorney of supporting anti-gay laws uh, and anti-gay lawsuits. So, But even... Even in the world of conservative jurists, when you look at Brian Hagedorn and what he's put out there on the public record, it's pretty out there. Like he's called himself a soldier in the culture war. He's called the NAACP a disgrace to America. Yes, he calls Gay Pride Month homosexual propaganda uh, that creates a hostile work environment for Christians. He claimed that the Supreme Court ruling striking down sodomy laws would lead to the legalization of bestiality. And no one really expected Hagedorn to win, right? Yes, this was supposed to be an easy liberal win uh, from another appeals court judge, Lisa Neubauer, who had a very strong record as a kind of centrist liberal. She was expected to win. She had sort of the wind at her back going into this race. But then once again, there was an outside money bomb uh, that dropped on the race and allowed Hagedorn to uh, just barely overtake Neubauer in probably the final week uh, and dragged him just 6,000 votes over the finish line. Hmm. And of course, his power is really because of the cases he's going to hear and what he's going to be deciding on. Can you lay out a couple of the most important cases that are going to come in front of him that he'll be able to decide one way or another? Yeah. So frankly, I think that maybe the biggest case that will inevitably come before the Wisconsin Supreme Court does have to do with gerrymandering. So in 2020, uh, the Wisconsin legislature is going to draw a new map and it's going to be bad, right? There's going to be uh, clear gerrymandering favoring Republicans and it's going to be challenged in the state judiciary. And we have seen other state Supreme Courts, like in Pennsylvania, strike down really gerrymandered state legislative maps and say you need to go back to the drawing board. And the Wisconsin Constitution does have various provisions that would seem to uh, prohibit the legislature from engaging in this kind of extreme partisan gerrymandering. But it now seems certain that with Hagedorn on the bench, there's going to be a conservative majority that will uphold that map. And that majority uh, is then going to help Republicans entrench a new gerrymander that keeps them in power in the legislature for the next 10 years. So it, it may not be until at a minimum the 2030s when Democrats will have a real hope of taking back the Wisconsin Assembly. And it's not just the gerrymander. It's also the fact that back in December, we saw this power grab 
where the governor and the state legislators decided to take a lot of power away from the governorship. You know, on his way out the door, Walker was like, well, I guess we'll just take away this power and that power and make the governor much weaker. And a state court has said that that's a no-go, but now it goes to the Supreme Court and to this judge. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I mean, the the lower court's ruling blocking this power grab that we talked about, it was a very impressive sort of originalist conservative ruling that is rooted in the, the state constitution, these these incredibly uh, persuasive, uh, I think, constitutional law scholars said, look, the, the whole point of the Wisconsin Constitution was to limit the legislature's ability to engage in this kind of chicanery, um, that the framers of the Constitution were very clear about preventing these kind of uh, extraordinary sessions through which the legislature could convene by itself and do whatever the hell it wanted because nobody was watching. Uh, and the judge struck down this power grab, uh, invalidated all of Scott Walker's midnight appointments, all 82 of them, uh, and said, go back to the drawing board. This is Tony Evers' governorship now, and uh, he gets a real chance to govern this state. But now that's going to go up to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And now that Hagedorn's on the court, there's basically no real chance that uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court will block the power grab. You know, You said something interesting when you talked about the lower court's decision uh, striking down what the legislature had done during the lame duck session. You said it was an originalist take. And I wonder if that was purposeful and if you think that that legal argument will hold any water with this new judge, Judge Hagedorn. I would certainly like to believe so. And the judge who wrote the opinion probably would like to believe so as well. Uh, This judge wrote this decision recognizing that it would possibly go to a very conservative Supreme Court and wanted to root it in the kind of doctrines that conservative judges usually like. So he went back to the founding of the state and he talked about how there was this problem of irregular legislative sessions at the beginning of Wisconsin history, uh, about how there's a, a, a specific part of the Wisconsin Constitution that's designed to act as uh, a check on the legislature's unfettered discretion to limit the legislature's ability to convene and do whatever it wants to do because the people might not be watching and the governor might not be able to stop it or the governor might be colluding with it as happened in 2018. Um, I think if Hagedorn were really principled, he would take those arguments seriously. But I don't see much in his record to suggest that he's principled. Why do, no, but why do you say that, though? Why do you say when you look at his record, you don't have any hope? Like, what are what are the decisions where you can sort of see where this guy's coming from? Yeah, so uh, oddly enough, he actually hasn't sat on any really big blockbuster decisions in his time on the appeals court. But one thing that he did that I found really disturbing and, and indicative of his neutrality or lack thereof as a judge is give paid speeches to the Alliance Defending Freedom uh, while he was on the bench. It's important to understand the Alliance Defending Freedom is not just any conservative law firm. It is a very well-funded anti-LGBTQ law firm that opposes marriage equality, that opposes any rights for LGBTQ people, that supports the mandatory sterilization of transgender people who wish to uh, have their gender change recognized by the state. Hagedorn gave these speeches, took money for the speeches. uh, Is that a 
That's that's very unusual. Judges do not usually give paid speeches to law firms that litigate before them. And more disturbingly, he has not indicated uh, that he will recuse himself from any of the cases that uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom brings before him uh, as he sits on the bench. Can we go a little bit bigger here? Like, yes. you know, 2020 candidates are hoping to make inroads in states like Wisconsin. What is this like little, not little, but little <laughs> election in Wisconsin tell you about how that effort's going? It tells me that Democrats need to wise up or surrender Wisconsin forever. Uh, because the Democratic strategy in this race, which was little, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, uh, was basically to sit back and let the liberal candidate campaign and rake up some cash and coast her way on the back of resistance voters to the high court. And that didn't work out because the Republicans in the state know better uh, than to take any of these races for granted. And like I said, in the last week of the race, the Republican State Leadership Committee, which is a heavily funded by the Kochs, spent $1.2 million boosting Hagedorn and tearing down Neubauer, the liberal candidate. But it was also the timing, right? Like my, when I looked at this a little bit, it looked like liberal groups had been outspending conservative groups until this very last week when the conservative groups just kind of punched them in the face with (laughs) this big spend, you know, a million bucks. It's a lot. And they did it by sort of bashing people over the head and comparing Hagedorn to Justice Kavanaugh and saying, you know, the liberals are doing the same thing here that they did with him. And I wonder if there's a whole other message there about how Democrats talk to people in states like Wisconsin. Oof. Well, I am not a Democratic strategist, and uh, I, I don't know how a Democratic strategist would answer that question. But I think you're right that the, the Kavanaugh narrative really rallied up the Republican base, uh, and it was aided by uh, 1.2 million bucks, which can make any message pretty loud and clear in a, in a state like Wisconsin. But, you know, we're, we're touching on now, I think, a deeper problem that has been widely discussed uh, and yet has no uh, apparent solution which is that Republican voters care more about the courts than Democratic voters. It is a truism at this point, but it is so accurate. It shows itself over and over again, so frequently through these judicial elections, so frequently in state elections, like in my home state of Florida, where in November, the governor's race was really a state Supreme Court race because whoever won that governor's race was going to appoint three justices to the Florida Supreme Court in his first week in office. And Democratic voters just didn't care. So when does Brian Hagedorn take the bench? Uh, August 1st, 2019. Are you going to be reading his rulings? Oh, yes, I will. I will be reading them and soaking them in and basically wallowing in the depressing direction of this court, which was already, by the way, a very, very heated bench. Uh, in the past, uh, one justice has accused the other of attempting to strangle her. Uh, another justice has filed a, a federal lawsuit uh, against a different justice. I mean, these justices hate each other uh, and it comes out in their opinions. It sounds like 
this state Supreme Court is like the real housewives of Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, you could definitely put it that way. Marches Astern, this was a pleasure, as always. Always a pleasure, even when it's hella depressing. <laughs> Mark Joseph Stern covers the courts and the law for Slate. All right, that's the show. You've been listening to What Next. I'm Mary Harris. This show is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. We're going to be back here tomorrow. Catch you then.